This is Savanting the Idiot. I'm Sensational Sense. And I'm Death Metal Douglas. I don't want to ruin it for those guys. So I'm not going to yeah. fuck, fuck with yeah, them. Yeah, of course. I want to listen to their music first, too, and just just a curiosity. Yeah, just to like, see, see what I, they I might sound be like. like, well, you know what? I was in a band called Head Cave also, and it's cool yeah. that you guys are using such a cool name. Yeah. And leave it at that, you know? But um, anyway, so by the time we got to playing live... We were on, it was like Spinal Tap with the drummers, as okay. you know, that happens with a lot of, <laughs> of bands. Well, because the drummer moved away. We had to, you know, we had to get- Spontaneous combustion We had another that. guy that we replaced him with. We had to drive an hour outside of Huntsville, me and the guitar player, mm -hmm. and the lead singer had moved to Atlanta, so we couldn't even rehearse with the singer. We were completely dysfunctional. Uh, he was already in Atlanta by the time we did our first show. We did our first show in December 91, and- we must have sold like close to 75 to 180, 100 tapes. And then when we did that first show, 300 people showed up. Yeah. And I would say about well, maybe 60 of those people were people that we I was going to say, how many of those people were there as a result of those tapes? Probably, yeah. I would say two-thirds of the crowd. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because we were all pretty popular guys. Yeah. We could draw like 15 people each probably, yeah. even without the tape. Yeah. But with the tape, with the tape, it was like almost three times that amount of people. And there was a show at another club that we were bumped off the bill, and there was two really popular bands that could draw like a hundred people apiece. Yeah, they didn't want us playing that show because there's already three bands. I the third the third band was not even from Huntsville. I went and called their manager and argued with him for an hour. And then Lance, the club owner, was like, I'm sorry, it's just going to be those three guys. So I booked another show with us headlining with another new band that hadn't played a show yet. So they're bringing some new people in, too. But I think they only brought, like, maybe, I don't know, I can't say that, because they didn't have a tape going around. So maybe they just had, like, 20 people or something. Yeah. Out of 300, that's not much. Yeah. But I paid them $200, I paid us $200, and I paid the sound guy $200. Talk about yeah. egalitarian-type deals. Yeah. Because this club had no sound system. The other place we were going to play had a sound system. I was so pissed that we were off that bill. I thought we were going to play to, like, 20 people. Yeah. And that would have been fine for me. But I wanted to play in front of, like, 80 or some odd people with yeah, those I other two it. bands because they drew a lot of people. Yeah. I found out their show didn't even have more than like 70 people in the door and they had three fucking bands playing. Yeah. We had 300 people for two bands, two new bands that had never played shows before. Yeah. But usually a lot of times your earlier shows, you, you build up that, you know, everybody's excited and stuff. If they're friends and stuff, you're yeah. young and you have a lot of friends and all that. But and there was more of a, did it though. There was more of a scene back then too. Like now the, the scene seems like it's, it's thin compared to what it was, you know. Well, this was Huntsville, Alabama. We didn't, oh, I there wasn't like a whole lot of places to play, you yeah. know. And but the thing was, if it weren't for those tapes and my diligent efforts dubbing them off and going to the store two and three times a week, it was tedious too. I hated yeah. doing it, but there was there was a demand for it. I was yeah. like, I couldn't believe it. They were just disappearing. Yeah, these, we went through three the band old names. days, you know, when there wasn't any such thing as internet yeah exactly we went through three band no names. mp3s no, if no, we had if it, we had kept the same band name it might have been 500 people for all i know yeah that's crazy for your first major gig no to have that is, 300 people show up 100 people were outside having to look through the glass window to watch us yeah. play and there's all these i mean it was a it was a ground level stage so the kids were moshing right on top of us it was yeah. scary i didn't want 
I didn't use pedals, neither did my guitar yeah. player. But he used a delay pedal for some of his stuff, I guess. But you know, you put it off to the side so people don't you know slam dance on it and stuff. Yeah. But it was it was pandemonium. We sounded like shit too. We we just our drummer, the drummer that we had then was a cover band drummer, but he was my roommate. But it was hard to get him to practice, even though he was right in my house. <laughs> yeah, know? I get it. It was weird. But yeah, that was after I got I got out of the army in August of ninety one, and we played our first show in December. So it was like this band was going on while I was still in the army. Yeah, you know. And then you know we we moved to Atlanta without the drummer. It was just. That's yeah. how you were in Alabama, and first that's where you were. Uh, yeah, post, I was stationed at yeah, Reststone Arsenal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and um, I still have a lot of friends on Facebook from Huntsville and stuff. You know, that's so cool. it's like I really that was where I played my first band. You know, and and it was strangely enough, it was after I was out of the army. It's like graduating college and then playing a show. Yeah, the band Black Flag, their guitar player didn't start until he was like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. He was a late starter, also, yeah. which, which I guess is why he is, toured every year for five yeah, years. Which is irrelevant. It's as long as you get there is what really yeah, what and you really do something matters. with it. Exactly. Once you got that momentum, you just go with it. You know? Yeah, but we played a couple more shows after that. We had to send tapes to the lead singer because he was already in Atlanta. It was dysfunctional as fuck all, but we still could draw like two, three hundred people per show. And but it was just so dysfunctional. We couldn't rehearse properly without the singer, um, the guitar player. He wanted to, to get another singer. He didn't like me either, and it was just a big mess. By the time I got to Atlanta, he hated my guts, and he wound up moving. Yeah, stole one of my guitars too. It was terrible. Yeah, the, but anyways, you know. Um, but me and that singer, the glory you know, days were winding down to an end on that. Well, yeah, well, chapter. me and the singer started another band with a, yeah. another drummer and another guitar player, and that was a pretty good band. But we couldn't get more than ten people to go to a show. It was it was the opposite. We were the same two guys playing in a different band. And it was the opposite. We it, couldn't sell a out tough a telephone time. booth. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's rough. But hey, that's the local. That's the way. But that's Atlanta. It was a big yeah. scene. There was college radio. There's three good radio stations you could listen to local bands and and alternative stuff, indie stuff, whatever. It's yeah. like you, the Jesus Lizard, were as big as Led Zeppelin in Atlanta because okay. that was. Fugazi yeah. was like Led Zeppelin in Atlanta too. They yeah. were just like everybody knew who Fugazi was. Yeah. You know, everybody knew who those bands were because we had college radio playing yeah. them. Even in Fort Lauderdale and, and down in South Florida, some of those bands were kind of big, but not really huge. Like, I knew Fugazi was pretty big in yeah, South Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it depended on how, how, how willing you were to actually... To play down here. Yeah, and search for those types of bands and how open-minded you were. And, you could, you know, you couldn't get caught up with whatever everybody else was listening to as well. You know, it wasn't like... It wasn't like they were super big, you know, because, but they were big enough. I mean, we heard of them, obviously. Yeah. You know? Well, also, you had Bob Slade once a week playing the indie stuff, and he was doing that all the way up to like uh, 93 or 94, I think. So a lot of people were hearing that music on the radio for that one radio show. Yeah. You know, um, and if you didn't hear it, one of your friends did. And yeah. that's why they were, you know, they knew about a band like Fugazi. Because Fugazi was, you weren't going to hear Fugazi on 103 She, that's no, for sure. that's for damn sure. <laughs> 103 that was not She. Or the Jesus wow. Lizard or any of those types that's of bands. crazy. That's you know? way back, 103 She. And then they went from 103 She, it was Zeta, right? Yeah, that was later on. Yeah. But in the early 80s, it was K102. They would play like new music. It was like another word for new wave. Yeah. But they didn't play indie stuff. It was They didn't play any punk. It was all like Duran Duran, Adam and the Ants, Joan Jett. 
It was new music. Yeah. That was what it was called in 82. But, you know, 103 She, they were like old school classic rock. They, uh, I just looked at something on them for Facebook. They said they did some new wave, but, no. you know, they like play Elvis Costello and a few things that were considered new wave, I guess. I mean, Duran Duran was so big, they were played on all the radio stations, you know, yeah. at some point. Depends on how many, how, whether the songs chart or not. You know, Y100 was a big pop station, but you still would hear heavy metal bands if they were in the top 10. It was just whatever's top 40, that's what they played. Yeah. And then 103 She, it was like top 40 rock. You know, they wouldn't play any pop stuff, but it still was rock and roll. But yeah, most they were, of it was classic rock. It wasn't, she's only rock and roll. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they weren't playing. That was their slogan, man. Yeah. She's only rock and roll. And whatever new wave that they didn't play, it, mostly it was K-102. I don't know when K-102 ended, though. I know they must have ended around 83 or 84. But I don't see the name popping up on Facebook. Facebook has a lot of these old Florida things. Like they have stuff on the Hollywood Sportatorium. Okay. They have stuff on uh, 103 She. Yeah. I looked at the 103 She thing like yeah. yesterday, actually. Okay. And I found out that did, they did actually did play some new wave. Because I yeah. was under the impression they didn't play any new wave at all. Because I thought yeah. K-102 did all that. But they did some of it. But new wave could have been classic rock bands that became classic rock after a number of years go by that's what i was gonna say man yesterday i was listening to the radio going to the store and smashing pumpkins came on it was like classic rock and i've i was like fuck man you're you know all these bands from the from the seattle from that time period, yeah. uh, all that is considered classic rock now <laughs> well amazing. they had a they had an ethos that was kind yeah. of classic rock with the guitar solos yeah. and the melodic singing and stuff you could tell they had that influence from the yeah. 70s rock bands that were on the radio but, but if but when i was listening to that when i was a kid you know whatever at 93 or whatever it was year considered it was. grunge that or was yeah and it was music of the you know that you couldn't get more newer of, of of a sound back then and now it's just classic rock you know it's crazy well classic rock is just the amount of time that's gone by yeah i know that's, the music's still and popular. that was my that's point all it really is and that's what know? i'm trying to say is man it's hard to believe how many years have gone by so so and that was why quickly. it was so hard for us to market a band like Radar Riley because we were just yeah. classic rock. Yeah, we weren't really, you know, every, you know, if we 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 didn't have all our songs sounding like one style of music. No, and that was it, the would, same. it would be in the same vein as like Led Zeppelin. Not that we sounded like Led Zeppelin, but they but did the same Led thing. Zeppelin didn't have the Who, the Who did that too. Have a formula where the, they were trying to sound the same, you know. Uh, they structure just went by the song. songs they wrote, and that exactly. was exactly okay. And we're so, writing this song, and this is what it is. Yeah. And so, they weren't worried about that status quo shit where a lot of people were saying, well, you have to make up your mind and you have to have one style of music and that's how you got to, or else you, it, it becomes impossible to market yourself, which they do have a point because it is hard era. to market a band that's, you know, all over the place when it comes to their formula for writing songs, even though at its heart, it's still rock, you yeah. know. But at the same time, I thought I thought with the whole stoner rock thing coming in with Monster Magnet and Queens of the Stone yeah. Age, I thought that kind of gave uh, Radar Riley a little bit of a yeah. oomph because of course, you know, we could you think, we could okay. latch onto that movement. Yeah, because and you that could, movement you allowed could lump Radar O'Reilly in with those guys because those think. bands were into diverse things. Anyways, yeah. Queens of Stone Age did ballads. Yeah, they or they do because they're still around. Yeah, they, they were ballads. versatile. I, I, yeah, I they're really versatile, like, but they're yeah. popular. But they have. But they they put them in a movement called Stoner Rock, what was which the, they're pop more what popular. What was the, than the album movement. that they're flipping through the channels through the whole? Oh, that's that's the the one with Dave Grohl on. Yeah, it. that's yeah, right. Yeah, that, um, I, that's um, one of my favorite. 
favorite albums. That's a great album. Yeah, yeah. it's a p- classic. They're from all the, pretty good. From those guys. But the drumming is really good. They got a really good. They got the Mars Volta drummer now. One of the Mars, Mars oh, Volta shit. drummers. And all those guys are badass. Well, because they had Joey Castillo on drums for a while. He was really good. His brother was an Aussie. He died. That Randy Castillo. Uh-huh. But Joey was really good. But he didn't have that. Just the bam. Like yeah. Dave Grohl has the bam. Yeah, of course he has that um, swack. The guy they have now, um, solid. He's got the heavy boom. hitting. He's actually better than Dave Grohl. Yeah, he's he's more Dave Grohl than Dave Grohl can be. Actually, yeah. the drummer they have now. Okay, they got. I feel bad for Joey Castillo because he was a really good drummer, but he yeah. just didn't. He he could do what the other drummers did, but he just didn't. I I, I it, you can't really put it into words. Yeah. I noticed it when I saw them live because I saw them live on the tour you're talking yeah. about, that album. And they had the old bass player with okay. the beard down to here. He got kicked out after that tour also. Yeah. So uh, it eventually just became the Josh Hom show. Okay. But he's got th- this new batch. He got The guys he has in 2018, this Chicago, they're great. His they have chemistry. Lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they had the super group with the guy from Led Zeppelin, um, John Paul Jones, that yeah. them crooked vultures with Dave Grohl uh-huh. playing drums. I think that's a little better than Queens of Stone Age. Not the album we're talking about, but no, I think I saw you know. uh, one of the songs. Did they do a video and release that on YouTube? Oh uh, yeah, that super they group? did some live stuff too. Yeah, yeah. okay. And they, but it was it was uh, they had a fourth guy who was the fourth guy they had was the reason why those two original Chili Peppers were not until the third album. Okay. The bald guy, he was in the Dem Crooked Vultures, but they were he wasn't like a featured member. Like they only show three people in the photos, but he's like the scab guy that plays live with them. Okay. Um Alan is his name. But he had a band in the eighties that had two guys that were in the Chili Peppers, but he got signed a major label first. So that's why the Red Hot Chili Peppers had to use two different guys on the first two albums. Okay. But uh, this guy, Alan, but it was Dave Grohl on drums, John Paul Jones on bass, and Josh Homme on guitar and vocals, and then Alan, the guy I'm talking about, on, on, on second guitar. Okay. And they're called them Crooked Vultures. It's like a super group. All they right. still haven't done a second album. It's been 10 years now. It's like, uh, man, I love Queens yeah. of the Stone Age, but them Crooked Vultures is just really off the chain. Yeah. John Paul Jones is like probably one of the world's best bass players, of too. Of course, hands down. But he's never... I, 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 I agree. But he's he's you know he's not that flashy though yeah. and he's flashy to a point. Yeah, I watched one of the. He's I a humble a- dude. He knows exactly what he's doing and he does uh, just what he should be doing. You know, it, 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 he, he does, he, man, he's a great bass. And player. I was watching Primus last night. It's not like he's going. Primus, but yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, no, he's not like Les Paul, where it's you know he's not Les Paul, but um, Les Claypool. Yeah, Les, yeah. Les Claypool. Huh. I, yeah, I, actually, I I joined the names together. Les Paul. <laughs> he had a neat little thing I saw him doing on a it was a Primus show from '91, mm-hmm. where one of the songs he's muting the bridge and he's hitting the note on the on the one count with his thumb. Yeah. While he's doing a little. he's like doing beast. a boom. Yeah, because he could separate the bass and vocals completely different, yeah. like Sting of the Police does. Yeah. Now Getty Lee does that to a point, but I always thought that. Getty was much more talented than yeah. Sting from the Police. But those are three; those are three great examples. Singing bass of, players, of, yeah. yeah, or vocalize. Well, and they're Les all, Claypool doesn't sing; he just talks and, and yeah. does the thing. But, but yeah. he does sing to a, to a an little extent. bit. It's just not too many poppers, <laughs> too many poppers, too many poppers. It's all camp, though. He never does na, na, anything na, na, serious. Na, na. Yeah. 
But it's so weird but watching them on stick, stage. You know, that's his I, thing. I never saw them live, but I watched two different concerts last night, and it's like. The guitar player and the drummer are so serious. Yeah. They don't smile. They're really focused. Yeah, just focused right into what they're like, doing. Wah, 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 yeah. Loose. How do they keep Not a, a care face, in the fucking world. You but know, he's, he's tight on his instrument yeah, yeah. and his little stories and stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I don't see how the drummer and the guitar player, I would, after a while, if I'm playing guitar, I'd be like, yeah. you know, my yeah. tongue would be hanging out yeah. with his little crazy stories. And I'd yeah. be like, I'd be laughing along with yeah. the audience. And it's just but, like, yeah, they're serious. They're, as they're hell. so serious. <laughs> you know? Tim Herb Alexander. He's like, yeah. you know, he's not like, he's not like, you know, he looks like he's pissed. As far as this drum goes, to, though, you know, it's so intricate that you got to be focused to, to keep up with uh, less, you know? Yeah. I think it's because he's born with the talent. Yeah, he's he probably had to rehearse a lot and pra- or practiced a lot yeah. and woodshed and all that. Yeah. But he also strikes me as one of those guys that just kind of has it probably right out of the womb almost. Yeah. I'm not one of those guys. Yeah. I had to work Virtuos- on it a bit. virtuoso type. Thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like like Jocko Pistorius, he just like got and his now and then Jocko's got a he's got a nephew now that I I consider to be the world's greatest bass player ever. He lives in Florida, but he's in mid Florida. Okay. Um, David Pastorius. He's right. doing this slap bass that's so fast, it sounds like popcorn popping. It's so insane. Yeah. It's like I'd have it's to like check the it blast out. beats with Morbid yeah, Angel I never, and drums. I haven't heard as yet. Yeah, he's David Pastorius. He's uh and he's playing with Pat Travers. I Pat Travers was really big in the late seventies, early eighties. He's a little bit poor your time. Okay. Um have you ever heard that song Snorting Whiskey, Drinking Cocaine? Snorting whiskey. I'm not sure if I have it's, or not. It's a big hit from the okay. early 80s. And he had, I probably have. Uh, but you've course. heard Boom Boom, yeah. Out Go the Lights. That's him. He got two big hits. Okay. And then the rest of the albums, he had songs on the radio that were only on the radio for that year or whatever. Yeah. I'd Rather See You Dead was like yeah. a top 40 song. But, but you, at least you, he's had some success. Yeah. He's, you know. I saw him play with The Doors and Vanilla Fudge. It was The Doors with the guy from the cult singing, Ian Ashbury. Okay. And, um, um, he's better with two guitar players, but with this Pastorius guy playing yeah. bass, he don't need a second guitar player. This yeah. guy's like playing bass. Yeah, like because a, he's doing so insane. much. You know, there's and with not Pat room. Travers, he there isn't any room for another guitar gro- player. He, well, he slows down and does more grooves pl- bass playing. Yeah. And when Pat Travers had two guitar players, he had a bass player that was doing a lot of that too. He was Mars Culling was was all up and down the scale. Yeah. He was not just playing root notes. He was doing all a right. lot of stuff under two guitar players. Yeah. Um, and I've as a bass player with two guitar players, that's sometimes kind of hard to do if they're really loud. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm just getting that sound or whatever. But uh, you know, I, this I'm I don't know how old he is. He's probably like 27 or 28, but. He's like a cousin. Jaco Pistorius had two twin kids in 1982, and they used to play a lot in South Florida. They don't do it anymore. I think they're okay. kind of like they've went off into other things. I'm not sure where they went to. I thought he was one of the twins at first, but he was he's one of their cousins. All right. And um, I think he's the greatest bass player well, in the world. Jaco was supposed to be the greatest bass player in 19, in the 70s. Musical family there, I huh? think... David Pistorius is the greatest bass player alive right now. Yeah. I've seen a couple other guys that are close to that. They're doing a lot of that slapping that's so fast I can't even yeah. air, air I can't even play air slap to it. It's that fast. Okay. But he's doing it in ways that are more melodic than these other guys are doing it. A lot of these guys are just doing their 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 chops. Okay. And they're doing like octaves and thirds and fifths and a few things here. Yeah, and when there. you're mentioning like uh, have you heard this uh, they're they're an instrumental band, I think. But Animals as leaders, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's I know a little bit about them. Oh, okay. I can't remember what they sound like. Right. I've listened to them a couple times, but yeah, he does a lot of interesting stuff on the bass. That was over yeah. the year over a year yeah. ago though, so I have to listen to okay. them again. But yeah, you know, I've read a couple of reviews about them. But yeah, there's dude, I mean there's like the levels of musicianship now is, yeah. is crazy because rock is. is dead and why and pop is like the big thing. But people are still picking up instruments. Girls are getting better yeah. than they were in the nineties. Hell yeah! I remember the nineties. A lot of these girl a lot bands of girl were terrible. Drummers too, man. You're seeing that explode. I look at Instagram and you see all these chick drummers. And there's a lot that, that you know Asian are pretty girl decent. playing Toto. She's like ten yeah, years old. Yeah. You have a whole generation that, that like sixteenth no yeah, hi hat thing on one with one hand or some yeah. shit. Yeah, it's and, crazy. It's it's very hard. It's 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 pretty heartwarming, actually. Yeah, it is. Considering the fact that mu- good music really in the mainstream is dead right now. Yeah, I think the internet killed amazing music, but at the same time, I think the internet it's generation, helping to bring it back. Well, it, because it's do it's done its damage and yeah. it's doing good the, in different the ways. The pendulum is going to swing back in the opposite direction because now you have these little kids that they have access to things that they wouldn't otherwise have access to they can hear so any band exactly. they want to going and they back to study the anything meticulously that you couldn't you, they have so much more access so these kids are coming up a lot more talented because uh, you know, it, they're able at a younger age to be exposed to, to saturate themselves to all these musical techniques that we couldn't do when we were little you know you, uh, you there's but so much things that you could get exposed to when we were younger now man shit it's information overload dude it is a little bit overload because you got them playing good music but the bands themselves i'm still trying to find good bands that with people that are under 30 because a lot of bands that are well they're on their way i think they're coming up now that's what i'm trying to say you have all these little kids right now when they get that generation when they you know when they mature then I, I think there's no record industry to push them into the top 40 though that's the only thing how are they gonna it's like they'll have a really good big band that's on the internet but yeah. then the record labels are gonna chase them and they'll probably say screw you to the record labels and just stay where they're at making their own money well it depends but, you know you know how are they gonna be filling stadiums doing that you know how are they gonna be you know radiohead was big when albums and cds were still out yeah. you know vinyl albums are really are like a niche thing now they're they haven't uh, died course. but it's you have to pay like 10 to 25 dollars for a vinyl album now yeah. it's, it's really expensive you have to be a kid that's in college with a trust fund to buy records sure. and there's a bunch of them that do yeah. that's why the the vinyl is trendy trendy hipsters. well because kids want to be like People in the past, there are kids that are in their early 20s. They only listen to 90s rock like Jesus Lizard and Fugazi. Mm-hmm. They listen to indie stuff from the 90s. They yeah. won't listen to like big bands like Pearl Jam or uh, Stone Temple Pilots. They'll only listen to the underground stuff yeah, like Jesus Lizard or Fugazi. They're with their. They're very their, particular yeah. about what they listen to. And, but they're only 20 years old, you know? So it's like when those kids start putting their bands together. I don't know what record labels they enter, end up on or how even yeah. to search for them. It's like you have to find them randomly. Well, with oversaturation that that you know, you could literally at a room like this, you could A lot rec- of people have rooms like you could, this. Now. You could That's record why recording studios don't exist anymore. And hardly. publish yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And publish yourself and be you join a place like DistroKid, uh, DistroKid where they actually, you know, outlet all your stuff on all the major things. So it, it's different now. Uh, labels want to see that you have a, a certain amount of success 
by yourself. Ahead of time, yeah. Exactly. Before they take a risk and take you and blow you up to what they would consider the main, mainest, mainstream. If you already have a level of success, then they'll try to entice you and say, oh, come sign with but us. See, the thing we is, got this to offer you, you know. A lot of the young bands that are taking. Music business has changed whether a they, lot. Whether the, the young bands even know it or not, they're taking the Fugazi model. Like Fugazi. One of the guys, Ian McKay, he runs the record label they're on. They had a bunch of other bands on that label still also, but they're like saying no to all the major labels. It's yeah. like Fugazi never did a major label because they didn't want to play a show over $5. That was their big shtick in the 90s. Okay. We don't play for more than $5. If we suck one evening, if we sound like shit, uh-huh. you're, you've only risked $5 on us yeah. instead of like $20. Yeah. So it, that yeah, was their part of their idea. But the thing is, is they didn't want to sign to a major label, and they never did. They were selling records about a hundred thousand copies to a hundred and fifty thousand copies of their albums. Were did were they doing for that a major totally label that's only good for one or two albums before they drop you? I was going to say, were they doing that in, totally independently, or were they signed to an independent and no, indie well, le- they had label? An indie label that was big to begin with, but okay. they, it was their label. Oh, the singer was in a band, a hardcore band. There's a hardcore band called Minor Threat in the the 80s. The lead singer and the drummer of that band started Discord Records. Discord Records still exists, but they only mainly put stuff out from Washington, D.C. And a lot of of their bands didn't even tour, so they lost money on some of their albums. They probably only figured, okay, we'll put 2,000 albums by this band because they're not going to tour all across the country. Yeah. So we'll just put... Because they had... Some people would just buy a Discord record because it was from Discord. Yeah, the hardcore. It had a stigma to it. Yeah, you you would buy records on SST because they were on SST records. They were on Homestead records or they were on Discord. But see, Fugazi were already on a label that was big, but it was the label they owned or the lead singer or one of the guitar players, Ian McKay. He owns the label. Yeah, so he's already got a big label. You know, you're selling a hundred thousand. Jesus Lizard's the same thing, but they were on a big independent label called Touch and Go. But they didn't run the label; somebody else ran it. But the thing is, when you sell a hundred thousand copies on, on on an indie label, you're you got money stuffed in your pockets like yeah. you're fucking you're fucking uh, in the mafia or something. Yeah, shit. it's true because you're indie. It's not like the the major label is taking a big <laughs> chunk, a percentage from you. Well, on that. it's not just the label. If you have most of the bands that get signed to major labels, they have big management companies under them too that take yeah. 10, 20 percent of their earnings. Yeah, you got all kinds. And then of you got people with their hands off to out the side of that, and then you got to pay a lawyer to look at the contract. Yeah. So all this money is going to all these different people. Yeah. Fugazi was like. You know what? We want to play shows. If we sound like shit, you know, we're, people aren't going to be like, I want my money back or whatever, because they only paid $5 to fucking see them. Yeah. And, and then they're like... So you couldn't let people down that badly and if they, they only also, they, they were, five bucks. They were completely you know? against the whole bar scene. They, they stipulated in their contract, we play for $5, that's it. You yeah. cannot charge more for the concert. We play an all-ages gig. There has it has to be all ages. Yeah. If there if you if it's twenty one and over, we're not going to play. Okay. And that yeah. was the rule. Yeah. And so a lot of these younger bands, they don't have to go by those rules per se. But what they will do is they'll be like, "We're so big on the internet. Why would we want to sign with Interscope and give we, we all have these to give, people these cuts? Yeah. yeah. You ha- first off, first off, if you start negotiating with a big label like that. You got to get yourself a manager or somebody that can yeah, make the proper. That they're going to take the 10, 20%. Yeah. Then you've got to pay a lawyer $100 an hour to look at the freaking yeah. contract. 
The point These is, these contracts are that big. Yeah, I'm if, not you could, read that if you can, if you can do it, read, if you could, that. if you got the resources and know how, and and you can pull it off yourself, why sign to a major label when you could survive? You without might become them? four times yeah. more popular, but you'll make four times less money. What's yeah. the what's the uh, the band I wanted to take over the world, the darkness. I'm pissed. I, I wanted them to be the biggest band in the world. Yeah. They broke up for a little while. They came back, but they weren't they became an indie band instead of a major label band. But they're happy playing in front of one or two thousand people and selling fifty or sixty thousand copies of a record. And I even though I was never in that band, my thing was I saw pop taking over. Yeah. I it wanted was a preemptive strike against pop. <laughs> I wanted the darkness came uh, along doing hard rock with the spandex and stuff. Yeah. But they were doing it with tongue in cheek because they were hipsters or whatever. Yeah. But they were like, you know, the first it albums like the first albums like four million copies, five million copies. And me and my sister went and saw them and the, the arena was like five thousand people. And it wasn't like a huge place, uh-huh. but you kept thinking the next time they come, they're going to play in front of 10,000 people. The next time after that, they're going to play in front of 20,000 yeah. people. They'll play as big as a concert as Metallica, and they'll keep rock and roll in business. Yeah. But when a band like that fails, even though they came back and they're still doing what they want to do and still making their own money and stuff, from my perspective, I want rock to be mainstream. I don't want it to be second rate. Yeah, of to course. Britney Spears and or whatever, um, Pink yeah. or or whatever's big now. Whether it's you know Lady Gaga or whatever, I, I don't want that music to be yeah. dominant. You know, yeah. And it's so funny because they ta- they used to say the male dominated music industry. If you look at pop music, it's female dominated. Yeah. It's like uh, what was uh, the one that. Uh, the, the one that was married, um, the one that was going out with the. Uh, well, if it's not pop, it's trap, and it's uh, some form of of watered down hip hop. Yeah. You know, that's what's really popular now. You know, so yeah, and and of course, the hip hop industry is still more male dominated. But pop, yeah, pop is definitely more female. But you won't dominated. see that in the press because it's not politically correct. Yeah. You want to see the male dominated music industry, the evil males, yeah. you know, the that's toxic, the toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity is their new fucking token <laughs> phrase that they love to throw around. If you feel solid in your masculinity, they want you to feel like you got to apologize for it. <laughs> no, and, you, you have know? to wear a dress, yeah. but you have to grow a beard at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, why that's I'm a whole about different times. fucking <laughs> I, I was saying I want to I want to get it on the cover of New Times again, like I did yeah. before. But now I'm gonna have to. Not only am I gonna have to put a dress on, but I gotta grow out a freaking beard. If, if you're willing to do that freaky kind of stuff, because that's the only way Jesus you'll Christ. get on the cover if you're a white guy. See, you're Latino. You could probably get on the cover like booking like a man. <laughs> They don't mind if you're black and you're showing your muscles or if you're Latino. If you're a white guy, you got to wear a dress. But we'll let you have some masculinity because you you have to have a beard to go along with the dress. It's like the bearded man at the circus or some shit. It does seem like a a, a war, which they've been saying it seems like (laughs) an unsaid war against the straight white male. It's mainly the media that's doing it. It's not people in general that are doing this Yeah, because you don't get a sense of that when we're out there. It's not like something, but the media would want you to believe it's that way. And, you know, of course. And the funny thing is, I think 
some of us older folk between like 35 and 55 or whatever, we fall for it more because some of us are like, I know I, most people my age, we're a little older than you, but a lot of guys my age and three to five years older than me, they're still watching a lot of cable TV. So they're still getting a lot of the media. They're still getting CNN. They're still getting Fox news. They're still getting MSNBC. A lot of the younger people, they're not, they're kind of bypassing uh, cable TV, and they're going straight into YouTube and the internet. Yeah. That's and the, look- that's the difference. That's the divide. So they're there. not even getting it because the young as much. people do not get. The, the, they're not pl- they're not the, the older generations they're still into the old way of receiving media which is through the cable just like you said but these kids they they don't they don't watch fucking cable everything they they all their entertainment is online you exactly. know and it's, and it's kind of a good thing yeah yeah so. because they're they're not um once they start taking over society It'll get a little better because yeah. they're not as influenced by the media as I think most people that are influenced by the media are probably like over 27, going into 35 years old, all the way up to our age, yeah. your age, my age. They're the ones who are getting more influenced mm-hmm. by the media. But the kids, that are, the people that are like between like, you know, teenage years, 17 and 18, and like 25, 26, they're good. Like you said, they're online a lot. Your kids yeah. will t- probably tell you this all the no, time. They're exactly always, the, I mean, that's their, their that's major barometer. That's yeah. That's their 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 major. They're online. You know, they don't they don't watch TV. None of them. None of my kids watch TV. Yeah, yeah cable TV my kids, will probably die you know, in the next. Decade. My oldest son is is gonna. He's twenty five, and then my other my other son after him is twenty two. My youngest son is nineteen, but none of them watch TV. They don't they they don't give a shit about what's going on TV. You know, I don't either. I kind of like them in that uh, way. Yeah. Only when I'm watching somebody else's apartment, I watch <laughs> exactly. the cable news and stuff. No, but I'm online mostly, anyways. Yeah. But and I and I and as am I. You know, I I was never a a big uh, you know cable person. The only reason why I have cable is because my wife she likes to watch her shows in there and there. But as for me, I don't want I, shit. I could live without cable. What, what's her favorite networks? Does she? You know, uh, I don't even know. She just watches whatever her girly shows are, and I just yeah. Know, that's. She does her thing. I do my music thing. <laughs> yeah. That's why this room exists. This is this is my. She's got her room too. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But but um. But I think we've gotten off the topic of music. But anyway, yeah. I think we've we've said enough for this uh, little little ditty. You want to stop it for now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, you're gonna have to edit we, some of that. Yeah, down, and we need a we well. Or an not. outro, an outro too. Well, anyway, this work on that. Yeah, sound station will send. Take a little water break or something. Death Metal Douglas <laughs> signing <laughs> off. <laughs> this Death is uh, Metal Douglas. And you are listening to Savanting the Idiot. Ooh.